Uh, this morning we uh, continue our series on the resurrection, so it's titled New Life. We've been taking time over the last uh, few weeks to look at 1 Corinthians 15. Uh, so 1 Corinthians 15, the Apostle Paul's focus um, in this chapter is really on this incredible promise that the life that we have today will not be the end. Uh, praise God, there is something beyond this life. So that's good news for us. We've spent a lot of time talking about this. And the danger is we can talk so much about the resurrection, but it just becomes more information for our heads. But I hope and pray that as we take time to really unpack what it is this passage says, we would have a fresh experience of God's Spirit and we would have a clearer understanding of what it means to live a life in light of this promise of a resurrection. So God has this wonderful plan. God has granted us this incredible inheritance. This is in store for every single one of us who has faith in Christ. And this is the point that Paul is getting across through this chapter. He wants us to understand that we have been abundantly blessed, abundantly blessed, through the amazing gift of resurrection. So through this series, we've thought about a new life from faith. We spent time looking at new life in Christ. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, Andrew spent time looking at new life abolishing death. Uh, and last week, TJ looked at a new life even in danger. This morning, our focus will be on a new life sown and raised. Sown and raised. So if you've connected with us in each of these weeks or in some of these weeks, I do hope, as I've already said, I do hope you've gained a fuller appreciation of what it means to live under this promise of God's resurrection. So we continue on in our understanding of the resurrection. So if you have your Bibles, let's take some time to look at 1 Corinthians 15 and verses 35 to 49. I'm reading from the CSB, the Christian Standard Bible. The words are going to be up on the screen. So the Apostle Paul writes this to the Corinthian church. So starting in verse 35, uh, Paul says this. Uh, but someone will ask, how are the dead raised? What kind of body will they have when they come? You fool, what you sow does not come to life unless it dies. And as for what you sow, you are not sowing the body that will be, but only a seed, perhaps of wheat or another grain. But God gives it a body as he wants, and to each of the seeds its own body. Not all flesh is the same flesh. There is one flesh for humans, another for animals, another for birds, and another for fish. There are heavenly bodies and earthly bodies, but the splendor of the heavenly bodies is different from that of the earthly ones. There is a splendor of the sun, another of the moon, and another of the stars. In fact, one star differs from another star in splendor. So it is with the resurrection of the dead, sown in corruption, raised in incorruption, sown in dishonor, raised in glory, sown in weakness, raised in power, Sown a natural body, raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. So it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. However, the spiritual is not first, but the natural, then the spiritual. The first man was from the earth, a man of dust. The second man is from heaven. Like the man of dust, so are those who are of the dust. Like the man of heaven, so are those who are of heaven. And just as we have borne the image of a man of dust, we will also bear the image of a man of heaven. Praise God. That's a challenging passage for us to look at. There's a lot in that. Let's just take a moment to, to pray and ask that God would help us. So, Father, we, we recognize that um, there, is, there is many questions in our hearts as we read that passage. 
but we know that you are the God who provides answers and helps us. And Lord, we know that your word is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. And we pray that, that you would help us to understand what your word says. Help us to respond in faith in light of what your word says. Equip us and lead us. We ask that you bless us through this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so uh, if you've been with us uh, through this series uh, on 1 Corinthians over the last few years, it has been a few years we've spent time looking at this series, uh, you'll know that one of Paul's main points uh, throughout this letter is the fact that the God that he worships, the God that the Corinthians worship, ultimately the God that we worship is a God of variety. He's a God of variety. And we've thought about variety when it comes to spiritual gifts within the life of the church. We've thought about variety when it comes to particular roles that men and women have within the church. And we've thought about variety even when it comes to the particular part that we play as we bring someone to our knowledge of Christ. And God loves variety because yes, 100% God is one and he exists and functions as one divine being. But yes, also, there's variety in the Godhead. This is who he is, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Each member of the Godhead has different and complementary roles to the other. God the Father sends God the Son, and God the Son fulfills the will and purpose of God the Father in the power of God the Spirit. And if this is who God is, then this will be reflected in what God makes. The complementary creator will only ever create a complementary creation. Because who he is, is what he will make. Variety is therefore a central part of God's good and perfect design. And there's absolutely no escaping that this morning. We see it everywhere. We see it around our world. You might remember there was a really helpful definition and unpacking of what this looks like by Brett McCracken in a Gospel Coalition article. We spent time looking at that. I think it might have been February or March of this year. And in this article, McCracken gives a number of examples of difference within our world and the power that difference, and in particular, complementary difference has in order to grant us a much greater vision of God and a greater understanding of his creative goodness and grace. So McCracken says this, and it will be up on the screen for us, and I feel this is just a helpful understanding of complementary difference as we think about this God that we worship. So we read this, contrast is fundamental to what we find beautiful. It is central to the most spellbinding paintings, the most memorable culinary experiences, the most stirring symphonies, why are humans universally drawn to sunrises and sunsets as the most picturesque and strangely transcendent moments of the day? Because they are the moments of most intense contrast between light and day and dark and night. We gravitate to beaches because of the contrast of water and rock. We pause before the deep canyon or towering mountain because it dramatically contrasts with the flat land around it. We enjoy the combinations of meat and bread, amen, bacon and maple, savoury and sweet, because our taste buds are made for contrast. Contrast is attractive and beautiful to us, in part because it gives life. Ecosystems flourish where water and rock intersect. New lives are born when a male and female mate. Out of a two halves, one flesh union, a new flesh is born. I experience this truth tangibly every time I put my hand on Kira's belly and feel my son kick in the womb 
He is a boy, but when he is born, he will doubtless bear the image of both his father and mother, a product of our love and a testimony to the awesome mystery and generative beauty of God's complementary design. I find that quote so helpful. It just really encapsulates so much of the variety that we see around our world. So without variety, without contrast, without complementarity, life becomes dull, life becomes purposeless, life becomes insignificant. We see it in our creation, we see it in so much of our lives, and without question we see variety also in this journey of faith that we take. I wonder if we've ever thought about that. As we think about the journey of faith that we take, there's variety in terms of who we are and who we become. Variety, contrast, change is so evident, not just in our salvation, but it's also evident in our sanctification. The fact that we become more and more like Jesus, change takes place in that process. We look back and we see how different we have been. If you love Jesus today, is it not the case that you were once blind, but now you see? Is it not the case that your life went from darkness to light? Is it not the case that you were once lost, but now you are found? And is it not the case that in order for Christ to increase in your life, you must decrease, as John the Baptist so famously said? So what are these but varied descriptions of who you were and who you are and who you are now becoming? Variety, contrast. This evening, Giuseppe is going into the waters of baptism. And what Giuseppe is doing is a powerful, visible picture of the difference that God has brought about within his life through the work of the Holy Spirit. Giuseppe tonight, and I, again, I just encourage you to come along. Giuseppe tonight is declaring, I've been changed by Jesus. Come and see the difference he has made in my life and the difference he can make in your life too. And so through baptism, we can't avoid this incredible power of transformation. As Giuseppe goes into the water, I'm hoping he's going to go into the water because he's got a cast in his arm, but as, as Giuseppe is baptized, he's declaring in that moment he's dead to sin. He's buried with Christ. And as Giuseppe rises from the water, or the water, sorry, in a powerfully visual way, he's highlighting to all who will gather that he is alive in Christ. Amen. And in, in Christ, one day he will rise from the dead.
was on this side of eternity, but one day she would know, and one day she would experience God's reward. Her most painful moments could in fact become the most glorious of occasions on the other side of eternity. Let me just read this poem to you uh, this morning. It's titled, Life is But a Weaving. My life is but a weaving between my God and me. I cannot choose the colours he weaveth steadily. Of times he weaveth sorrow, and I in foolish pride. Forget he sees the upper, and I the underside. Not till the loom is silent, and the shuttle cease to fly. Will God unroll the canvas, and reveal the reason why. The dark threads are as needful in the weaver's skillful hand. As the threads of gold and silver in the pattern he has planned. He knows, he loves, he cares. Nothing this truth can dim. He gives the very best to those who leave the choice to him. And again, let me just encourage you with more words from Paul in 2 Corinthians. Have a look at 2 Corinthians 4, 16-18. Paul says this, Therefore we do not give up. We do not give up. In the midst of what you're facing today, do not give up. Even though our outer person is being destroyed, our inner person is being renewed day by day. For our momentary, keyword, momentary, every moment of suffering has a sell by day, our momentary light affliction is producing for us an absolutely incomparable eternal weight of glory. So we do not focus on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, and what is unseen is eternal. So take hold of that today. What is seen is temporary. Your sufferings are temporary. But what is unseen, this joy of being rewarded and blessed in heaven with Jesus, that's eternal. So we're sown into a life of suffering, yes. Absolutely. And that's not always easy for us. But praise God, we are raised into a life of glory. And it could be very easy for you and I to assume that God just did this. And he just decided, I'm going to turn Mark Morris from this earthly body into this heavenly body. And he's just going to be completely transformed. And the same for each one of us who have faith in Christ. It would be very easy, but it was just a, a simple act for God to do. But it really did cost God so much. It cost him so much. God sacrificed so much in order that we could be recipients of his grace through the resurrection. And this is what Paul highlights in the final verses of our passage. In verses 45 to 49, we read this. Paul says, So it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last man, Adam, became a life-giving spirit. However, the spiritual was not first, but the natural, then the spiritual. Verse 47. The first man was from the earth, a man of dust. The second man is from heaven. Like a man of dust, so are those who are of the dust. Like the man of heaven, so are those, so are those who are of heaven. And just as we have been born the image of the man of dust, we will also bear the image of the man of heaven. So yes, absolutely, we all begin our lives with Adam, a man of dust, a man of the earth, a man of suffering and sin and of the flesh. That's where we start. We all start there. But take heart this morning. If we have received God's love today, then we are living in the reality and the power and the grace of the last Adam, not the first. He's a life-giving spirit. He's a man of heaven, of heaven. 
someone who we will bear the image of. His name is Jesus. Praise God. So God is able to bring you and I from the life of the first Adam into the life of the last Adam. Because that last Adam, Jesus, has made a way for each one of us. What it is we, we thought about as we took the bread and drank the cup. And there is none more clearer a text about how it is that Jesus did this for us than 1 Peter 3 and verse 18. Peter says this, For Christ also suffered for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he may bring you to God. He was put to death in the flesh, but made alive by the Spirit. Amen. Amen. So when Peter says we're righteous, he's speaking in the singular. Yeah. There's only one righteous one who could do this. And when Peter says the unrighteous, without question he's speaking in the plural. Every single one of us here, every single person who has ever lived, apart from Jesus, has fallen short of God's standard. Mm -hmm. So the reality is, because you have sinned, because I have sinned, we're not able to be restored back to God through our own merit and achievement. And the reality is, there's nothing within us. Nothing within us. No desire, no motivation that would ever drive us back to God of our own volition. You and I need God to not only change our hearts, but we also need God to empower us so that we make step in a Godly direction. And when it happens, we can be sure to say that salvation has come to our house. When God has changed us from the inside out and we choose to follow him, we can say, I'm different. I've moved from darkness to light. I once was lost and now I'm found. I'm alive in Christ. He must increase, I must decrease. So the question for you this morning is this. To whom does your life most resemble? To whom does your life most resemble? Is it the first Adam? Or is it the last Adam? Is your life filled governed and led by the flesh? Or is your life filled, governed and led by the Spirit? Is your life more and more a reflection of a life pre-resurrection or post-resurrection? Praise God this morning, Christ has made a way so that we might live like the last Adam. He's made it possible for us to have transformed lives in the power of the Holy Spirit. Let me just be honest with you this morning. That transformation can begin uh, today. It's not something that, that we need to wait for. God can transform us and change us today. And yes, this life will be completely different from the life to come. But there will be incredible changes when we today make a decision to follow him. And I remember I was, I was a teenager and we had this, this testimony night at our youth <coughs> fellowship. One of the, the older ladies who was part of the church, she was older in our eyes, she was probably just in her 40s. Uh, she was sharing her testimony of what Jesus had done for her uh, and she met her now husband on the final week of university and at the exact same time and in different ways they both came to faith and then met each other and married uh, and I was so struck through her testimony just about how emphatic she was that God had, had transformed her life and she said in three simple words at the end of her testimony God changed me God changed me and I wish I could just transfer how she said it into this room mm -hmm. because there was there was no doubt the way she said those words God changed me this wasn't a slight modification in our life this was a complete turnaround a complete transformation her life was completely different 
because of Jesus. He offered the invitation as well for each one of us this morning who don't know Christ. T- today could be the day that you also say with complete conviction, God changed me. God changed me. And you say it with complete and utter conviction at the transforming work of the Holy Spirit in your life through the love of God in Christ Jesus. If that's you, I just want to encourage you to speak with me after the service. If you feel led to make a decision for Christ today, then do speak with me. Or maybe speak with someone you know who loves the Lord, and we would count it a privilege to pray with you that you might know Christ. And watch how your life is defined by that transformation that takes place. Perhaps this morning, uh, you are a Christian. Uh, you do love and follow Jesus. Uh, perhaps this morning you're just finding it really difficult. Maybe there's just something going on in your life and you feel overwhelmed and challenged by it. Again, don't miss out on this opportunity to be prayed for. More important than, than tea and coffee that we may have after this time, or fellowship, these are all good things. And if you are struggling, then, then do, do speak with someone. Speak with myself or speak with someone you know. It's one of the joys of spending time in this church. After the service, we have tea and coffee, we have fellowship. But dotted around this room from time to time on a Sunday are people praying for each other. And the more and more we do that, the more and more we become like the New Testament. So this morning as a church, we believe that God is at work. And we also believe that that God can heal and God does heal. So if there's something that you're struggling with, an ailment or an illness, we would commit that to God and trust that God has his very best for you. And we would want to pray for you in the midst of what you're facing. So again, do have the courage to speak with myself or someone you know and trust who loves Jesus. As we sing together as a church family, these are ways in which uh, we can respond. Let me just close with these words from the Apostle Paul from our passage this morning. Let us us be the resurrection encouragement of our lives today. So whoever we are and wherever we're at, let's just take hold of these words from Paul in this passage. We might be sown in corruption, but praise God, we will be raised in corruption. We might be sown in dishonour, but praise God, we will be raised in glory. We might be sown in weakness, but praise God, we will be raised in power. And we might be sown in a natural body, but praise God, we will be raised in a spiritual body. What a saviour we have. His name is Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we we thank you for your word. And and we recognise, Lord, that, that, that we need you, not just in this moment, but... Uh, throughout our week, Lord, we pray that, that our hearts would would be drawn to you, that, that we would look to you, and that we would seek you with all that we are. And I thank you, Lord, that, that you, you desire to, to be with us, as Andrew shared already this morning, that, that you, you long to, to be in relationship uh, with us. And, and I pray that we would understand that, that, that we are truly loved by you, and that you want to to open a way uh, for us to experience you through this time. So Lord, may our hearts be open. Would you convict us of sin? Would you help us to see who it is you have called us to be? And may we respond in all this in faith and trust that you are all-powerful and that you are fully trustworthy. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.